passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is Wednesday, December the 22nd. Welcome to your post-daily news update. I am John Pollock, joined by Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How you doing? I am doing all right. We have a lot to tackle on today's show. Thank you to everybody for joining us live here at youtube.com slash postwrestling. Do give this video a like, a subscribe, whatever you have to do. Uh, Get on top of that stuff. We're going to be uh, doing a bit of a different format for today's shows. Uh, we are first going to be joined by a guest, and then we will be going through uh, some of the major news items going on in the industry today. Uh, but we had promoted this throughout the week. It is our pleasure to be joined by ICU doctor here in the province of Ontario, a familiar voice here in the post-wrestling community. Welcome back, Dr. Alex Patel. As I said earlier this week, I mean, personally, it's always great to catch up with you. Unfortunately, when we put the call out, it's usually not under the best of circumstances. And I think that is where uh, the state that we are currently in uh, here in Ontario and many places abroad. Yeah, I know. Um, thanks for having me on. But unfortunately, yeah, it, it seems every time I'm on something, something not so great has happened. So unfortunately, that's where we're at now. Can, can you sort of outline what what the last couple of weeks have been like for you and kind of the lead up to this? Because I think for, for most uh, lay people out there, they are just seeing kind of the effects just kind of snowball over the past uh, seven days. Has that been uh, your experience and how much of this was kind of forecasted in, in the weeks leading up to what feels like this peak period now? Uh, yeah. So for me, what's happened is, sorry, if it happened there. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. No, we got you. Oh, can you not so, hear uh, us? What's happened to me is basically that we've had worsening uh, caseloads across the, the province. And this started basically in South Africa, where we started to see the emergence of a variant that we were very concerned about. And the variant was um, quite infectious, which is the main problem that we have. The main variant before this was Delta. As we were sort of getting over Delta, we started to see reports that we were seeing uh, a variant that was about four to six times more transmissible, which is astronomical when you think about the numbers that the first wave uh, and second wave affected. Subsequent to that, we started to see that the variant was coming out of South Africa despite attempts to, to sort of corral it by having various travel bans. And we started to see that it was affecting people at rapid numbers. And, and we knew that it was going to eventually reach, you know, North America if it had not already, because we were not testing for it. And obviously we are testing for it now. But by the time we did, we started to see sporadic cases pop up linked to travel, even ones unlinked to travel. And the concern became, uh, in, on top of that, that the vaccines that we currently had, and, and those vaccines uh, are very good at preventing severe illness, 
we're not preventing people from actually getting uh, this at the same rate that it was the other variants. So we started to see more and more cases within the vaccinated population, which became concerning. And we started to have more and more data emerge that we needed uh, a booster shot, basically, to return us to immunity levels that were comparable to what we were seeing before. Putting that all together, what we were left with was a highly infectious variant that could possibly evade the vaccine. And effects ramped up to try and get ready to uh, potentially manage cases that ended up both uh, in hospitals and ICUs, and also to help uh, you know mitigate the problem when healthcare workers got sick. I mean, uh, we've already had issues this week where, where people are sick, and we need to staff you know ICUs, hospitals, and various other essential services, uh, and that becomes problematic. Even if you're not very sick, and even if you're not uh, getting hospitalized, if you have to be off work for seven to ten days and it hits everyone at once, that can be a problem as well. Yeah, uh, what? Can you maybe just take the time before maybe we dive into a little bit more of the specifics of uh, to address maybe some of the more common questions that you're being asked by, you know, people that might not necessarily be completely up to date on what's going on? Yeah, sure. So um, what was the. Sorry, I missed that. Was there a specific question? Just what are what are the most common questions that you've been asked about this uh, particular variant? So the most common questions I get asked are, are sort of uh, I have three or four of them. I have a nice thread, like an FAQ almost, that I put up on the forum. I encourage everyone to read it. Kind of goes through the nuts and bolts of what Omicron is and and what the major issues are. But to address the like four major questions I get, the first one is, what should I do? How you know much at risk am I? Do these vaccines work? Does it really matter if I'm vaccinated or not? Um, and the answer to that is yes, of course it matters. It helps prevent serious illness. You have to understand when the vaccines first came around, the goal for saying that a vaccine was effective was, does it actually prevent 50% of serious illness. That's what we define as a vaccine being efficacious. That's what the FDA uses. That's what uh, CDC uses. And this more than does that. Even right now, to this day, if you have two doses, you are about 70% protected from a serious illness. Um, so by all means, get vaccinated. If you can get boosted and you're eligible, get boosted. The second question I get is in and around, what happens to me uh, if I want to get together with my family? Right. Mm-hmm. What do I do? And... What I would say right now is that because of the emergence of of the rapid test, if you can get your hands on these rapid tests, um, they can potentially provide an avenue where you might have a slight attempt at getting together. Various provinces uh, and and sort of states are enacting their own laws here in Ontario are limited to 10 people. But the rapid test can uh, help you provide an added layer of protection if you're meeting people. Now, it's not perfect, so use it more like a red light system. If you have symptoms, you shouldn't be meeting with anyone because a rapid test can take a while to become positive. If you've had a high-risk exposure, someone with known COVID or, you know, you've been out and about at restaurants and bars and, and you're going to meet together, that would also be problematic because the rapid test could miss the early stages. But if you, by and large, been uh, healthy and you haven't had high-risk exposures, if you all agree when you meet up to do a rapid test before and you're all negative, it's an added layer of protection that could potentially have you enjoy the holidays. I think the last couple of questions that I, I get asked are around, um, you know, w- what's the big worry if everybody gets this? Is this, is this going to be a problem? In that sense, the jury is kind of out. Uh, most of the data is showing the infections are probably not as severe, whether that's a combination of partial immunity or full immunity from prior infections or prior vaccinations, or whether it's just natural evolution that viruses become more uh, infectious and less deadly over time. We're seeing a bit of a decoupling so far. The major problem is it hasn't really hit the elderly population as yet. The first COVID waves hit the elderly first. In this case, it's kind of the reverse. Most of the Omicron cases are in young people, 
mainly because we think they are out and about more and have more contact. So uh, if it does make its way into the elderly, uh, despite them being vaccinated, they could be at risk. We'll have to see how that goes. And I think the final question I get asked from everyone, which uh, is basically uh, the more common one, is, is what can I do to protect myself? Uh, is there anything else I have to do? I've been wearing a mask. I've been getting my vaccines. And I think the major shift, uh, if I can outline one, is the type of mask you're wearing. So up until now, we thought the virus was mainly droplet. Last time I was on, I did explain that, you know, there was some emerging data that it's uh, potentially airborne. And this one is almost certainly airborne, which means it's like a vapor that will stay in the air and you can get it even though uh, you aren't physically right next to somebody. The downside is most of the traditional cloth masks, even the medical grade masks, are not adequate. So what you really want is something that has an N95 level. I have one that I wear in the hospital here. That's kind of what they look like. There's N95 on it. Um, or you can get a K95 that's cheaper. And those are uh, the ones that are designed to help protect against airborne spread. So those are kind of the major questions that I get. Uh, when it comes to uh, hospitalization rate, um, are you encountering a lot of patients that are unvaccinated? And has tell us a bit about the hospitalization rate that that you have experienced uh, firsthand over this uh, this period. Sorry, there's just a code in the hospital. You could probably hear perfectly um, uh, understandable. Thankfully, I've got some comfort, so so I don't have to run. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yes. Um, most of the cases are still unvaccinated. That's the majority of what we're seeing. Uh, unvaccinated patients come into the hospital at much higher risk. We had an Omicron patient that was Omicron positive uh, in our ICU who's unvaccinated, who unfortunately um, uh, had its go on life support and then get transferred out of our hospital. So this kind of stuff is happening mainly to the unvaccinated. They're at a much higher risk by any metric you look at, hospitalization, contracting the virus, ICU, death. Every metric, the unvaccinated are at higher risk. And that is the predominance of what we are seeing. Most people that are coming into our emergency departments with Omicron that are um, vaccinated are, are generally being sent home. Can, can you describe to us maybe some of the, what, what is the difference in severity of, of these cases between people who might be double vaxxed versus triple vaxxed? Sure. So um, traditionally we said, you know, you lose taste or smell, high grade fevers, feel unwell, um, sort of like a truck hit you is how most people who've had COVID have described it. Uh, they're much milder this time. Um, most of the symptoms uh, for people that are vaccinated, you know, either with two or, or three doses are mild. Uh, they can be fatigued, which seems to be the more common one. People feel extremely tired. They might have a little bit of nasal congestion, um, maybe a little bit of a flu-like illness, but they're not having high fevers. They're not necessarily having the traditional symptoms. And they do tend to bounce back pretty quick. So, you know, they're not out uh, you know, sick for a week. They tend to bounce back a bit quicker. So the symptoms are certainly milder uh, in every way than they were before. I know that there's there's always going to be frustration when it when there is you know going to be restrictions introduced, and I think what people are looking for is what what it, what has been learned of you know the majority of the past two years of restrictions that have been effective, other things that yes there's going to be risk, but is it is it absolutely irresponsible uh, to be going to watch a movie, to be going to a sporting event when the personal uh, citizens are, are being told of, you know, have limited 10 people uh, to your home. What, what have you thought just about like the messaging that is out there that I just think it's, it's very hard for the average person to understand uh, going to a Toronto Maple Leafs game with half a stadium versus uh, having 15 people over for Christmas? A hundred percent. I mean, it's very complicated in terms of uh, the, the fact that like, like I have trouble understanding sometimes what's out there. Um, how I would interpret the messages, I mean, I think the travel one is is by and large sort of useless. I, I don't think 
uh, you know, the risk of travel is one thing maybe, but, but if you're able to travel safely, I don't think closing borders and doing that is, is really going to help. This, this is already here. And, uh, you know, unless you're going to an area like Australia or something where they don't have it, you're not really going to be changing uh, that much. In terms of how they're um, mitigating the risk and saying, you know, can you meet up with only 10 people inside? You know, are these open at 50 capacity? Most of it has to do with the masking. So they think if you aren't wearing appropriate masks, and like I would argue, I see less than 1% of people actually wearing an N95 or N95 equivalent. So I'm not even sure the other masks are that useful at this point. Right. Uh, if you're not wearing a mask and you're indoors gathering, that can potentially be higher risk. Um, I don't see how in a stadium, 10,000 people, and that's 9,000 or whatever the number is in, in Toronto that they've reduced capacity to are keeping a mask on the whole time. I just don't think it's it's likely or possible. Um, so, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say that's going to be any safer. Um, I think a lot of times these things are driven just by policy and, and kind of gut wrench reaction saying, oh, we'll just tell people not to eat or drink for three hours. Well, it's not really realistic, right? So uh, I, I don't think those particular things, you shouldn't think going to a Raptor game is, is safe and, you know, this is not. I, I think the key is, to me, a small group is actually safer because you know who's coming, right? You don't know who's going to the Raptor game. You don't know if the guy who's been coughing and sneezing decides to show up there. Uh, but you do know if you trust the people you're getting together with that they are uh, you know, healthy, they're not sick when they show up. You can get them to do a rapid test. That's even better. And if they've all been kind of keeping safe, I, I would personally think that that's something I would feel safer at than just kind of taking a shot in the dark that everyone is following the same principles as me. What, what do you know about... Um immunity for people who have already had COVID or, or for people who may be suffering from Omicron or have had suffered from Omicron? Yeah. So, I mean, if you've had Omicron, typically you're going to be protected around three months. You know, it, you probably won't get the reinfection right away. Uh, in terms of other COVID, it does offer protection. Um, I think it was about 17% or something in terms of, of, of how much protection. It wanes over time. So it's similar to the vaccine. So depending on how long ago you had COVID, that can wane, but you will have a, a sort of, you know, 20% or so better response than people who've never had COVID before. Um, Richard in the chat room here wants to know, you mentioned, you know, specifically recommending N95, but what about double masking? Should double masking be recommended right now? Um, double masking is probably better than single masking. It's still one N95 or N95 equivalent is going to be better than double masking. So um, double masking, I mean, is it better than single masking? Yeah, it's just more barriers in front of you. But it's a type of barrier, right? The particle filtration. The N95 is a very fine particle. N95 means it filters out 95% of particles that, that come its way or N95 equivalent. So that's why I, I say that because K95 are more accessible to the general population in terms of the cost and availability. But those are just, they're, they're better at filtration. So that's probably the more important thing. And how about your just... Um... Just things to know about about using like at home rapid tests. Like, what are are some of the limitations that maybe people are not aware of? And is that if you are getting together, is that the the most uh, recommended uh, action to be taking before any kind of get togethers? Yeah, sure. So the rapid tests for those of that have never done one are, are kind of come in a kit. Um, uh, we were giving them free at our LCBOs. I think they ran out because, they, uh, but you can buy them online. In some areas, you can still get them for free. Um, basically, it comes with a large swab that you put in your nose. Um, the key to it is you don't want to be doing it too superficially. You do want to get it to the back of your nose um, uh, as far as you can reach. If you can't get it in there, you can also uh, do a throat swab first. So you can swab your throat and then do your nostrils uh, if you're not too sure about how much you can tolerate. Uh, and then you want to transfer that to a liquid medium that they provide you. And then you put kind of three dots in and you watch and see. And what you're looking for is a C and a T. C stands for control. T stands for test. 
the control will show up as a line showing what COVID looks like. And then you're looking for any semblance of a line. Is it faint, be it, you know, very uh, strong under the T segment. And if you see it, that means uh, you have tested positive on the rapid test. Um, the cautions with using the rapid test are you have to do it correctly. That's the most important thing. If you are doing it correctly, in the initial stages, uh, because of the vaccination, we can often mount a response in terms of symptoms before we test negative. We need a slightly higher threshold because the rapid test really is looking more at how infectious you are and, and it needs a certain you know, higher concentration than the, the PCR you might do in the hospital. So you can certainly uh, test negative on the rapid and then still have COVID. Um, that's why I'm saying if you have symptoms, you shouldn't rely on that alone. Uh, you should either get a PCR or avoid meeting people. That being said, if you are uh, meeting up with people and nobody has symptoms, you can certainly use the rapid test in addition to uh, you know, your general making sure everyone's well to add an added layer of protection. By and large, it's going to reduce the risk quite a bit. Um, if you want to do multiple rapid tests you know, after that meeting, maybe if you have a few, you do one daily for the next couple of days, that'll sort of ensure, uh, maybe not right away, maybe you wait a day or two and then do it for the next couple of days, that will also ensure it. Um, but I, I think the important thing is if you have symptoms and you have a negative rapid, that doesn't mean you necessarily don't have COVID. You should either rapid test over multiple days in that setting or ideally get a PCR test. Uh, I wanted to mention here, Justin in the chat room says, uh, also please mention if going to an N95, the importance of fitting and also perhaps de-bearding to prevent. Do you have anything to add to, to that, Dr. Patel? Yeah. So, I mean, tradition, like I'm fit tested to an N95, which means that, that we do the formal testing. Um, you can get formally fit tested. The idea is really uh, you could try to do a makeshift thing. Uh, there's people online that will show you put a bag over your head and release some vapors and see you know, do I actually get any smell of this or not? So you can do a poor man's version of the fit test. That's kind of the most important thing. You know, I mean, I have a bit too much of a beard, to be honest, but I've also been kind of working this week, but you don't want a thick beard. It will fit well. Um, that being said, if you get an untested uh, N95, an unfit N95, but you get a good seal, you can put a quick bag over and just check some, some vapors. If you don't really smell anything, you're probably okay with that, and it's probably going to be better than, than using a traditional mask. You know, I, I also wanted to ask you maybe just to uh, explain a bit more about what we're looking for in terms of uh, hospitalization rate versus, you know, the number of positive cases. Um, certainly looking at the media, it's very alarming to see these numbers uh, rise up. But, you know, ultimately um, what, what is most important to, to you and really to, to all of us is to see what the hospitalizations are right now. Um, what is the rate at, at which it's, it's rising compared to what the positivity rate is? And at what point, you know, are you looking forward to make sure that that we don't even get you know close enough to to be overwhelmed right that's a really good question i think that is kind of a question that i can try to answer as best as i can with what i know now um omicron is different in that the case world is case rise is very rapid so if you look back in ontario because I, I, work, I work here we're you know three to four thousand cases a day it took a really long time for delta to get there so you can't compare the two head-on and say when omicron was four thousand cases this was the hospitalization and delta was this it's because time was a factor when you get infected with COVID, you don't end up in the hospital right away. It takes seven to 10 days for the illness to be severe enough. So the fact that Omicron doubles so fast means that, you know, when you have 3,000 cases, by the time it took Delta to get there, people have been sick enough or have been exposed for long enough that you're starting to see those hospitalizations rise. For Omicron, we're going to have to wait. Um, you know, probably we're going to have to wait till closer to the end of the year before we have a really good idea. But so far, we aren't seeing the same uptick uh, so far, which is reassuring. What I would look at in terms of metrics is definitely hospitalizations first and foremost. That would be important to see. If people are getting hospitalized, that means that uh, it is breaking through at least to cause some degree of illness. And like I said, 
go back and look about seven to 10 days. That'll be the number of people that you would expect. I mean, you're looking for, you know, typically about 5% is what we were seeing with Omicron and you're kind of, uh, with, sorry, Delta, and you're kind of following that to see is that the same number we've seen. The second thing is the ICU capacity. That's a bit misleading because back in the early waves, we managed everyone in the ICU because we were really scared. We didn't know how to manage people. We didn't want them to deteriorate. The second wave taught us that we just couldn't do that. We didn't have enough ICU beds. We had to get more liberal. We started using high full oxygen devices on the floor. So as of right now, I mean, we have COVID patients that I'm looking after uh, that I haven't brought to the ICU that we managed on the floor who would normally have been in an ICU probably wave one. So the ICU numbers can be a little bit harder to interpret for that reason, a little more nuanced because sometimes people that would have been in the ICU before are not, but hospitalization is hospitalization. So I would start with that as the initial metric I would follow. And then the ICU stuff can kind of follow the after. And the last question uh, from me, Dr. Patel, is where are we at when it comes to vaccinations for for younger children that currently are ineligible? Because right now, right now, that's my biggest concern, having two young children that cannot get vaccinated yet. Where where are we at in terms of that progress? So uh, children um, over the age of 12 can be vaccinated. Children between five and 11 were recently approved for the vaccine. Uh, two doses right now. Um, they're recommending an interval of anywhere between three weeks and eight weeks for the second dose. It's a bit of a discussion what you opt for, but uh, by and large, uh, you know, you should get your child the second dose if you can, anywhere between the three and eight week mark. Children under the age of five, the data was not optimistic. There was a recent trial that came out that looked at giving them two doses of a, a sort of reduced dose vaccine, and it didn't seem to prevent infection that well. So it's going to take a while. I mean, we need some positive data before we can do that. I've got a young child as well under the age of uh, uh, two, actually. And I mean, it can be quite scary. Uh, in that case, they're testing three doses now, or possibly they need to test a higher dose. But we don't have anything that worked. The, the trial was negative. So until we have something that works, and you know, it'll take at least three months for something to be published in that regard, we, we can't really move forward to vaccinating that population. Uh, well, on behalf of everyone here at the uh, the Post community, I just want to thank you very much for all the time you have uh, dedicated, uh, not just today, but uh, on the forum. Uh, I would definitely suggest people follow Dr. Alex Patel, P-A-T-E-L, on Twitter. He has been um, such a great help to this, this community and the wrestling community at large, um, sharing information. So, uh, Dr. Patel, I want to wish you a, a tremendous holiday season, and I hope it is as uh, uh, minimally uh, stressful for you. No, for sure. And thanks for having me on and going over this. Uh, anyone who has questions, uh, feel free to reach out. Some people have uh, sent me private messages on the forum. You can do it on Twitter or you can send it to Wayne John. I'm sure they'll forward it my way and, and, and I can certainly uh, try my best to help you. And uh, wishing all you guys a safe holidays and, and hopefully better new year to come. Thank you very much. We appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks, Dr. Patel. All right. Um, Amazing. Very informative as, as always. Uh, and so incredibly generous at this time is, is, um, you know, somebody who is completely overwhelmed, I'm sure right now. So thank you, Dr. Patel, again, for all the information. Again, forum.postwrestling.com. If you want to check out the thread, he is incredibly responsive for any of your questions about uh, the Omicron variant. So uh, recommend that. And uh, yeah, hopefully yeah. you guys got something. I mean, as, as people can see with the video, I mean, he is taking his, his break at work to come on with us. So um, I, I cannot express my gratitude enough for uh, just, just all the time that, that he has provided uh, throughout the past two years. Uh, so we're going to get into some other uh, news items now, and we're going to start off with a story that's gotten a fair amount of traction online over the past day or so, and that is a uh, a security breach at Pro Wrestling Tees. So um, many, or, or at least uh, 
some people received letters in the mail uh, this week informing them of this uh, security breach. And uh, we have seen this uh, posted online. And uh, I've actually heard from people that received this letter themselves. And some of the uh, the notes from the letter included, on November 1st, 2021, Pro Wrestling Tees was informed by law enforcement that a small portion of our customers' credit card numbers had been compromised. We immediately conducted an extensive investigation of our system and concluded that a malware virus was the source of breach. Working with a sophisticated forensic vendor, we have removed the malware virus from our system. We did not find any evidence that any current individual personal information was compromised. We're providing you this notification in an abundance of caution in case someone actually viewed or had access to your information that would have included your full name and credit card info. They went over the steps taken, including uh, offering identity theft protection uh, through this group called uh, IDX. And uh, this was signed by uh, Ryan Barkin, uh, the the owner of Pro Wrestling Tees. Now, uh, once this uh, had come online, um, there have been you know a lot of testimonials of people who have seen charges appear on their credit cards. There was a lot of uh, questions about this, and I think a lot of uh, justified frustrations over uh, the lag time here. Of you know, they learned of this November first. Uh, they stated they had to go through an investigation, uh, but nonetheless, it's it's seven weeks and finding out now. With physical letters, there was no posting uh, through their uh, Twitter or website. This was done by a direct um, mail, stale mail. And we did hear from someone at the company who had stated that the IDX number attached or email to those letters are legally the only people who anyone can talk to about the security breach due to the laws when it comes to uh, cybersecurity. Um, there's also a great thread by uh, Joe Sposto. Uh, who's who's a podcast host, has done a commentary on the independent level, uh, who inquired and got a response back from an AEW-related email address uh, because, of course, AEW and uh, Pro Wrestling Tees uh, do their merchandise together. And that provided a lot more details as well, which I have uh, retweeted uh, that thread. Um, nonetheless, way this is uh, something where, listen, uh, neither of us are experts on cybersecurity law, but this is something where, I mean, I would be very frustrated if I'm getting this letter in the mail and knowing that my information may have been compromised. And it's been multiple weeks, like seven weeks since this breach was uh, first discovered. And I think in any case here, yes, you are abiding by what your legal representation is telling you. At the same time, you are a customer service outlet that uh, transparency is always going to be paramount. And I think you're always going to get pushback if you're customers believe that there is um, that that there is information that is either being withheld or delayed uh, when it comes to sensitive information. Yeah. Um, you know, security breaches uh, are an unfortunate fact of the modern world in, in these sort of online businesses. So I obviously don't necessarily blame anybody for having, you know, uh, somebody, somebody threatening them by stealing information. But, you know, what I think can be criticized and seems to be the big issue in this case is their handling of the communication. Um, you know, the, I, I, I don't know enough about perhaps, you know, the, the, what the rules are regard regarding. Um, so, so, so please correct me if I'm wrong. The idea yeah. is that because they have this security, um, service that's attached like this complimentary security service that is now uh being offered to any 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 of the people who may have had their security breach that is the reason why they have to send it th this through snail mail because of the individual email addresses 
I, don't, I, I don't know the specific reasoning about why it had to be done, but by letters, um, but okay. it does sound like they could only contact those, um, those specific people. Like, I, I don't, I don't quite understand like that, that gap in things that at least a, um, a broad statement could not have been put there. Now, again, going back to this, this thread that, that uh, Joe Sposto uh, uh, put up, you can see here that uh, part of the response was that they were instructed not to post about this on social media because it would attract more hackers, which I mean, at like, what, what are you weighing here? The potential threat, which exists versus, you know, letting, letting your customer service base uh, aware of a, of what might be a contained issue. It, it, it seems like it was a limited amount of people that were affected. But as we have seen, uh, there's a huge Reddit post of people that have uh, cited, you know, uh, incorrect charges on their credit cards. So it's like they, those do exist. Um, it's it's not very easy to handle. And you also want to uh, maintain faith in your customer base that this is a, a safe place to to make orders with. Um, so there, there's that balance to it as well. But I Listen, I am always going to be on the side of transparency and whatever uh, short term uh, anger there might be. I think you score points with people in the long run when you just put things on the table and say, listen, we are on your side to correct this issue. It's unfortunate it happened, uh, but these are the measures in which we are taking. And based on, again, going back to this thread here that was like with Joe Sposto, like it seems like they got back to him and gave a pretty thorough uh, rundown of uh, where this was affected, it doesn't sound like this affected. Uh, it, it sounds like it was limited to pro wrestling tees and not with like pro wrestling crate or AE or shop AEW. So it seemed like it was contained. It would there was advice of you know you can use PayPal, which is a, a safe uh, measure as well. So mm-hmm. again, yeah. it's you want to get this information out. Well, honestly, again, and again, so to me at this point, the, the heart of the issue is communication. And, and I think, you know, this is definitely a bad PR. It's bad PR anytime a company gets their, you know, um, uh, database hacked. But um, how you handle the communication, I think, will say a lot. And it seems like in this case, uh, there's, there's criticism for pro wrestling tees on handling the situation and how effective they are. So I feel like now is there time to get the word out? You know, this is a company that I think has done tremendously for the professional wrestling industry. Um, They're, you know, they've done a lot for individual wrestlers who, um, you know, through charitable t-shirts and and whatnot. So there's nothing to me that says like, this is an unethical company, at least, you know, not from their past dealings that tells me that they, you know, would, would want to, uh, affect that relationship because I feel like they have a great one with their audience, you know, at least uh, from from my perspective. So I feel like now really is the time for them to kind of get take charge of the story and be able to communicate exactly what went down and what went wrong. Yeah. And, and as well, it's like getting your handle on this. Like, I'm sure they're being advised by people that understand this like I, I look at it for for us way if if this happened to us and just for for clarity we do not have a store on, on pro wrestling tees um but you know if you and i way had some kind of security breach uh i would be at the mercy of what people are telling me as well because i i do not know what would be i would i would have my course of action to certainly be uh transparent but this would be completely unfamiliar territory of what are the steps to go about uh handling this but when you're a company the level of pro wrestling tees this is a reality in the uh the modern digital culture that hacks are are going to be happening it has to be a um a problem that you forecast a solution for um 
we'll keep on uh, moving on here. Uh, Mike Johnson at PWInsider.com. Uh, this comes from their website. Um, PWInsider.com has learned from multiple sources that coming out of this past weekend's loop of live events and TV tapings, a number of talent and staff were feeling run down and some have since tested positive for COVID-19, while others who were feeling st- sick are still waiting for their test results to return. So not great news there. And I think that will, I mean, at, at least there is a bit of a break at the moment uh, because they do not have another live event scheduled until Sunday uh, with Boxing Day when their post-Christmas house shows begin. Uh, SmackDown's in the can for Friday, but this is like, listen, this this is happening everywhere. And this is a big discussion about sports leagues continuing. You have the NHL that is temporarily on pause until after Christmas. Their, their players are not going to the Olympics next February for a litany of reasons, but um, this certainly, I think, uh, move move things quick to a decision. And the next question, way is going to be how how deep this goes and how this is going to affect uh, companies. And if we we really have to start looking at the viability of live events, or can they sort of just tread water through this uh, really rough patch and and keep going? Yeah, yeah. Um, we you know we just had a whole twenty minutes conversation about um, this this topic, and it's one that unfortunately I feel like we we thought that we were getting behind, um, but maybe it's something we just kind of have to get used to, you know, as this thing that's going to linger around and maybe rear its head, you know, at certain times of the year. And at this point, I feel like there are enough protocols we've kind of been through, you know, the, the sort of uh, this era of shows now that I feel like they would, if they had to shut down, you know, they, they you set back the Thunderdome back up. I mean, it's it's nobody's first option, but it is at least an option. And uh, hopefully appropriately, they can, uh, you know, get their, their staff boosted and take the people off the road that don't need to be there or, or shouldn't be there. It's, so. a, it's actually, I think... It's not um, uh, a strategy that can be implemented by many sports leagues, but it's one that for WWE, for AEW, for UFC, they all own buildings that if it absolutely comes to it, they can churn out their shows in front of nobody Mm -hmm. between the PC, the Apex and Daly's place. It's something that, listen, this is the world we're living in. And if you are, if your revenues are so tied to making sure that your programming gets out on a weekly basis, it's the greatest investment that those three companies are, that they have. Like, obviously there's, you know, NBA teams, they they own their arenas and such, they can do it. Um, but but it's something that you, you just look at different options for companies. Like that's that's something that when you're talking this level of revenue, it's it's a must. Uh, on that same note, uh, Pat LaProd and uh, Kevin Raphael of uh, TVA Sports reporting that WWE has now postponed their event for next Thursday in Laval, Quebec, and it has been moved to Sunday, March the 6th, where tickets will be honored at the new date. This was largely expected, but this was the uh, uh, the, the first time it's it's been uh, confirmed. Uh, now, Kevin uh, Mitchie at Sportsnet is reporting that as of now, as of now, the Toronto show is on with the capacity limitations. They can only fit 50% of the capacity at Coca-Cola Coliseum, which holds approximately 10,000 people. So that would mean they could fit in five. As we can talk about way firsthand it's it's a moving target here in the province uh what is happening today could be drastically different seven days from now so it seems as of now the the toronto show is going on and it comes down to the the logistics of we have sold more tickets than of people we can actually accommodate 
Do we have like up to date figures of how many tickets may, may have been sold for that show? And are they under the half limit? They're not under. They're over the limit. Oh, uh, Wrestle, okay, they're already over. Yeah, WrestleTix. Um, the last I checked, like it was over six thousand distributed. So like hmm. that's they would have to you know cut down by a thousand or so tickets. And and how do you go about doing that? It's it's very different logistically. Um, I, I imagine at this point, like I would hope companies are offering refunds to people who want them. Um, I think you have even, to, even, even like if it's not a capacity issue, I just think out of people's comfort, you know, like, and really just for the goodwill of, of, of the customer, anybody who doesn't want to go at this point after buying tickets shouldn't be forced to lose out on that amount and cho- shouldn't have to choose between a decision like that and, you know, um, not having a ticket. So I, I hope they're just offering refunds and maybe that in itself will, will get them down to the right number. That that has been standard practice of the major wrestling companies of when there's a postponement, it's the option of a refund or your ticket will be honored on the new date. I don't think it's going to be a case where you are bound to this, this price that you have paid. I guess I mean, in, in terms of Toronto with the show not being postponed, you know, right. I under I understand what you mean. Well, I mean, in this case, I think they would actually it would be easier to uh, offer refunds and you whittle down that number. I would imagine that of those, say, throw out a number of six thousand or so. I would venture to guess about a thousand of those people are probably not crazy about going to a show right now. Maybe more uh, raw numbers from Monday. So uh, December has been a like all-time low month for the company. They did 1,553,000 viewers. Um, That's among their lowest overall viewership averages on record. And 495,000 in the 18 to 49 demo, 0.38 from Brandon Thurston and Showbuzz Daily, which would be their second lowest 18 to 49 number on record. So the past three episodes would represent the three lowest 18 to 49 figures we have uh, in Raw's history. And this was going against the Monday night football game between the Vikings and Bears that aired on both ABC and on ESPN. So you had a, a giant audience of uh, well over 15 million people between uh, both both uh, broadcast networks, uh, well, cable and network exposure for that. But way, what does what does the second lowest 18 to 49 number mean in Canada? Nothing. Biggest you, numbers since the draft in October. <laughs> what is going on? What? What? I mean, wow. Over okay. Two hundred sixteen five thousand. Uh, Two hundred sixteen thousand five hundred viewers. Uh, just over ninety nine thousand in the twenty five to fifty four demo. So the only thing it was below in sports programming uh, was the NFL on Monday night. So listen. At Canada and U.S., I'm starting to learn that there's absolutely zero correlation between what hits for an American viewer and a Canadian viewer. Maybe I mean, is it, it is the Kevin Owens effect. Maybe this was the greatest investment uh, WWE made in resigning him. I mean, it, w- would you look at maybe just more so the competition and the difference in competition that a Canadian might care about versus an American? Right. I mean, the NFL is not going to mean the same in Canada. That said, the NFL, it's it. it it does very good numbers uh, here here in Canada, and you have to account for the the population uh, differential. But it's uh, it, it's certainly not going to be the equivalent of going up against a Toronto Maple Leafs game, for instance, or a Toronto Blue Jays game when when they go against uh, Major League Baseball. NXT on Tuesday night, so they have. Uh, I kind of enjoyed this show for similar reasons that I enjoyed Raw in that they have their shows that they are building up. And there was a concerted effort to build up a card for next week's show and for the New Year's Evil show in two weeks' time. So for January the 4th, we have Tommaso Ciampa and Braun Breaker for the NXT title. 
a title versus title match between North American champion Carmelo Hayes and cruiserweight champion Roderick Strong, and a triple threat with Mandy Rose defending the women's title against Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez. And Gonzalez and Dakota Kai opened the show with what I thought was like a pretty entertaining street fight between those two. I didn't get a chance to watch all of NXT, so I can't really comment on the match, but I did catch up on um, highlights through their YouTube channel, which you can actually get a pretty comp- comprehensive like view of the show for. They pretty much upload all the backstage interview segments. I saw the whole MSK deal. Like They, they put pretty much the, every seg- segment up there, at least in truncated form. And for many people, it might actually be the optimal way of experiencing the show. Um, but I, I can't really. I only saw the finish of the street fight. It looked pretty, you know, like they, they worked very hard. Expect. They they worked very hard in the, in the street fight. They started out in the back, went through a break, and then you know it was just it was you know it. I, I think it helped having like the weapons involved. It was like a lot of intensity from both of them. Dakota Kai took some uh, brutal bumps in this thing, but they they worked super hard. Um, they also did the Grayson Waller AJ Styles segment, and it clearly feels like they are building to a match between those two and i thought they did i i enjoy grayson waller like i think you know in ring he's he's at a certain level that's very obvious but um it is it is one thing to see someone with that personality it's also another when you can see with the performer that there is that confidence that comes with getting a big push that he has that projection of an emerging star and i thought he certainly had that in this segment with aj who came across like a great baby face and by the end of it, like this did not feel like a one off. It feels like they are building to a match between these two, whether it be January 4th or or some other show. But it's interesting to see between Styles and Riddle this um, concerted effort on having main roster talent dip into NXT. And it's, you know, it's a fresh match in AJ and Grayson Waller that why not? I think it's a nice idea to have. And it, it does show you NXT being that priority that we will loan a AJ Styles for a week or two. Yeah, I, I certainly, I mean, the, the philosophy of NXT 2.0 is to pair a veteran with a, your project. And clearly, Grayson Waller has been that project. Uh, they gave him the big Johnny Gargano exit. Unfortunately, no match to build to with Johnny Gargano, but um, we need a veteran. So, hey, like, what's AJ doing right now? Um, I, I think, you know, we want to see what sort of match a Grayson Waller can have against a high profile opponent. And there's, it's, it's almost an impossibility for him to have a bad match against AJ Styles and a babyface AJ Styles at that, you know, continuing the thread from the Omos breakup uh, very clearly on Tuesday, portraying the more of the AJ Styles of old, uh, straight up playing a babyface to the NXT crowd. So it's it's another test for Grayson Waller. You know, like in ring, I, I think he appears to be competent. And I think for the the people that are making these decisions in the back, competent is good enough you know like look, <laughs> that's look, the new tagline not out is we are nxt <laughs> competent is enough <laughs> well, competent in ring i should specifically say because um clearly they, they they're in love with this man's personality they give him mic time every single week and i i hate to to you know necessarily compare him to this person but look at the the, the guy that they continuously give opportunities to the guy that they continuously can depend on in the Miz. Um, and I think to me, that is as much of a model of success for them, for some of these NXT 2.0 guys to follow as, you know, um, I, man, take your pick, like, uh, certainly more of a model than like Finn Balor may, maybe, you know, they're getting a whole lot more use out of the Miz in the main roster than somebody like Balor. So, um, I, that's the role that I see them pushing this guy as at the moment. 
Last thing uh, tonight is AEW's Holiday Bash in uh, Greensboro, North, North Carolina. We have Orange Cassidy versus Adam Cole. The semifinals of the TBS tournament between Nyla Rose and Ruby Soho. Malachi Black against Griff Garrison. And the trios match as CM Punk teams with Sting and Darby Allin against MJF and FTR. Rampage, they will be taping the Christmas night edition of the show with Cody Rhodes challenging Sammy Guevara for the TNT title. And Hook versus Bear Bronson. Yeah, yeah. I, I look forward to hearing the reports about the hook match tonight. Uh, you know, as far as tonight's edition of Rampage, I think it looks good. You know, Orange Cassidy versus Adam Cole. Um, yeah, it, it, the semifinal match between Nyla Rose and Ruby Soho, the two singles matches, I think have most of my interest and maybe a chance to see if uh, Malachi Black is accompanied by anybody. Yes, uh, they had the Brody King tease last week. And what is in the box? Is that going to be revealed tonight? Didn't he say he was going to bring the box tonight to open it? Interesting. Okay. Hmm. You don't open a box after Christmas. Uh, You also don't open it on the 22nd. You know, you'd probably wait until Friday, wouldn't he? Saturday, well, I mean. Saturday. Well, well, maybe he's, um, yeah, it would make more sense to open the box on, on Christmas on Rampage. But we'll yeah. find out. We'll find out if we are talking about the contents of a box. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh. Final thing is just a scheduling note. So tonight we will be live at 1015 Eastern with Rewind to Dynamite for our double, double ice cap and espresso patrons. And then the show will be up for everybody uh, early Thursday morning. And then tomorrow is going to be our last live show uh, for a little break. We are going to be live at noon Eastern, a special start time on Thursday. So note the time change and we will be doing our year end post daily news update And then Friday, we will be releasing the annual Christmas show. This might take you the entire holidays to get through. That is my preview, uh, but I don't want to spoil anything. So that is coming out Friday. No rewind to SmackDown. And there will be shows coming out next week in a variety of different forms. uh, But Way and I will be taking the week off from doing shows together. We have got a one-week restraining order from one another to not speak. And we will be returning with our coverage of day one. On January the 1st. So tomorrow, it's the last live interaction of Waiting and John Pollock for 2021. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm enjoying- Unless I get my N95 mask in the mail, and maybe I'll, I'll come and just uh, appear on your lawn. You're welcome, of course, anytime. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would let you in. You wouldn't have to stay on the lawn, John. You know, maybe, maybe you can even uh, drop by. We can, you know, perhaps... Uh, watch some of the old toby Maguire spider-man movies in preparation for you to catch up of course um you know whether or not uh he uh, he will appear in the movie i don't know i don't know if he will i'll, I'll go uh, look up the movie poster and see if i'm interested <laughs> in watching it or not quick shout out of course uh wh parkin and me and john tino recorded our spider-man no way home spoilers review yesterday we spent two and a half hours talking about this film, not just between the three of us, but we also encouraged a whole lot of people in our Zoom rooms. A lot of great turnout last night in the Zoom chat room. So a lot of people getting their say on the feedback thread and the forums as well. We, we pretty much like I thought I was really proud of the conversation because I felt it was very thorough. I felt like we 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 managed to describe our live experiences, the experiences of trying to keep away from spoilers and then all the little references and reveals that we we, we mentioned um, over the course of the movie as well. So we'll be talking about, uh, we talk about. Well, ladies and gentlemen, 
I had to cut off way. He was going to spoil something for me. I just knew it. So with that, everybody, uh, we are going to bid you all a Sorry farewell. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I was ready to wrap here. I thought you were going to spoil something. So I cut you off. Um, I, I didn't want to have Spider-Man ruined for me. I, I hit the wrong button, but I, I was going to say, <laughs> I will, I will be back tomorrow with WH because we'll be reviewing Hawkeye as well. So those of you who are cafe patrons will have access to that show as well. Yes, and uh, I will be doing a year-end post-pro res with WH next week. There's also going to be a year-in-review show with Eric and Phil uh, covering the year that was in MMA. So we will have stuff uh, going out next week along with some uh, surprise releases too. So you can uh, look out for that. Thank you to everybody. We'll chat with you tonight at 10.15 Eastern and then back here. Special start time, noon Eastern on Thursday for the post-daily news update. Thank you to Dr. Alex Patel for joining us, all of you in the chat room, and we will speak with you tonight. Thank <laughs> you.